I hope you guys know how warm it is in this room right now because I don't remember how many days I came up here this week and it was 40 degrees in my office. And so, Jeremy, where did y'all go? Where I, okay, there's Jeremy, and most of you know Jeremy, but most of you don't know Nate Wynn. Nate, stand up. He's new to us, and you guys need to meet this guy. He's awesome, and he was up here all week working his tail off for y'all. It was a tough week for everyone. Uh, ours was about a stopped-up pipes. If you don't know me, uh, I am pretty much the most worthless person when it comes to fixing anything and everything that you could possibly imagine. And those of you that can do those kinds of things, I don't like you. Uh, you had a dad that showed you how. My dad was a football coach. So if you want to talk about football, we can do that. But I have no idea how to build anything, how to fix anything, how to do much of anything. And it's embarrassing, to be honest with you. And so when Jennifer says, hey, come look at this, and the sink has colors in it that it's not on the color wheel, right? I don't know what that is, but there is stuff on both sides, and it's come up, and it's absolutely nasty, and there is a certain smell that you can't recreate in any other way. And Jennifer goes, well, what, what should we do? Well, it's freezing outside, and so I can't call Brian Booker or Eric Clark to come over and fix it like I normally would. That's the best option. And so the second best option is YouTube. So I begin to go through these and watch these. And Jennifer says, have you figured anything out? No, but thank you for asking. I will continue to work and I will continue to feel useless as a man. Thank you. So after watching about seven videos and accruing a couple of tools that I think might be helpful, I begin to take things apart. Don't laugh, okay? I'm doing the best I can. And there are things that you should know that I don't, and so water's going all sorts of ways, and, and it's got clumps of stuff in it, and things just aren't good. And Jennifer's standing there with dry towels going, do you need these? Yes, give me the towels. I need the towels. We'll just put them there. And this went on for, I'm embarrassed to say, hours. But I, I cleaned out every single one of those pipes. It was impressive, and it still didn't work at all. <laughs> so who do you call when you don't know? Miracle Plumber Man. I would love to have Miracle Plumber Man on my speed dial. But who do, who do you call? And we all have that person, right, when it comes to our plumbing or our cars or our hot water heaters, but it, it's, it's pretty easy when we're talking about a sink, but what about when it's about cancer or it's about your marriage or it's about your sin or parenting and I have no idea what to do with that kid because and you have no idea, and you're under the sink of, of life going, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do, and who should I call? And, and the spiritual answer is Jesus, and pray, and scripture. And we've done all those things, and I still don't know what, who, who is that person? 
The problem is I, I grew up in a place and in a time when questions weren't okay. I don't know how you, you, you may have grown up in a home where you could walk in and ask anything, but it was communicated without saying a word, just believe and everything will work out okay. Very helpful. Because I had questions that I didn't have any idea what to do with. And that was, as a young, I remember even as Tripp's age going, what what is that? That doesn't make any sense. And I don't understand why we come into this fan-shaped room and listen to the boring guy who's standing up here. What's this about? Who am I supposed to ask? You just obey and you just do, and that's the right way to do things. But I had bigger questions than that. I'd, I know the 35 stories children's ministry teaches me. What am I supposed to do with that? I remember one time our youth minister was talking, and he was talking. I couldn't have known this at the time but because but I, I wasn't listening well enough. But in 2 Corinthians, when, when Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And I remember sitting there going, I guess I'm not in Christ because I'm, I still feel the same way I did. So that must mean that I'm out. And all these other people in this room must be in. And so I'm humiliated so I can't ask those questions because I'm out. Because the stuff that I'm feeling inside and the sin that I want to be a part of my life and I'm not supposed to want that, so the new must not have come for me. But nobody wanted to talk to me about that. Or maybe, maybe I was too embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah, I, I need help with cars and sprinkler systems and hot water heaters, but I needed much more. See, each, each year we get to spend a couple of weeks talking about the body of Christ. About our deep need for each other. <laughs> there's a picture in front of you. Because there's times that we're the ones, we're in a position where we can reach down and go, whether it be with something about God, with something about our marriage, with something about anything, where we're in a position where we go, come on, let's go. I got you. I'll walk with you. You're my guy. I, I'm. But the problem is there are other times that we're the one reaching up going, I have no idea. I don't know what to do with this. This morning, I want to talk about the guy who's reaching up. I want to talk about the guy who was sitting there in Bible class going, I don't know if I agree with this, and I don't like this, and I don't know what to do with this. And they're not even talking about anything. I need somebody to help me. I want to talk about that guy who needs somebody to walk with him or her, to pull us up, to help help us with our questions and our doubts and our fears. Because I'm under the sink, and I'm looking, and I've done everything I know to do, and I stink and it's still not fixed. It'd be easy to use Jesus today, because this is what he did for the 12, right? 
He was the one on top reaching down and they were looking up and he was teaching them. He was modeling for them, right? The picture of of Jesus walking up and touching the leper before he healed him. They must have been absolutely overwhelmed. He is being this mentor for them throughout their, his ministry and throughout their life with him. <laughs> he sends them out. He encourages them. He says, who do people say that I am? And Peter goes, you're the Messiah. He goes, that's right. And you're Peter. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not. I mean, you think about how Peter must have felt. And then five minutes later, when he doesn't really understand, Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. You've missed the whole point. Jesus did this with the 12. Paul did this in his letters. He did it specifically with Timothy. But this morning, I want to use a text that you might find odd. But I want you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 8. Because I was looking through the book this past week, and I, and I, was, I, I wanted to use Paul and Timothy, and I wanted to use Jesus with the disciples. But I kept coming back to this picture of the guy that when I think of somebody looking up going, I have no idea what to do, it's this guy in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, and the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture. He was led like the sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, would you talk to us this morning? As some of us are sitting in this spot, this spot of reaching up, or at least feeling the need to reach up, knowing that we need help, knowing that we need somebody that's further along in the journey, that understands more, that gets more. 
to care enough to look down and pull us up? Would you bless the reading of your word? Would you teach us this morning? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is one of those stories we rush by, and I want to spend a few minutes in it. So what do we know about this eunuch? Now, this is one of those stories that if you have children in here the next few minutes, you may want to divert them because some people don't even know what a eunuch is. This is a person. This is a male who has been castrated. So what do we know about him? We know he has been altered physically. We know he is from Africa. We know he has traveled over 2,000 miles, which who knows how long that took because he wanted to meet or see or figure something else out about this Jewish God that must have been different than what he had experienced or known because why else would he travel this far? (laughs) He's a high-ranking official. He's probably pretty rich. He's probably pretty powerful. He's probably risen through the ranks, and he said no to family. Because the question is, why was he a eunuch? In ancient culture, if you were commoner, you weren't allowed around royal people. And the only way that they could trust you was if you were not a threat. I'm trying not to be very descriptive here, but you get what I'm saying, right? And so this man gave up his entire seed, his family, his future, because he wanted to be a part of something. I keep forgetting I have to watch this or I go outside the purview of the thing. And so I've got, okay, sorry. And I just kept putting myself this week going, what would I give up? What would I want enough to give up my family? What would I, my my tribe, my, what would I give up? And this guy wanted something bad. And here's the problem with the story. It must not have been enough. He probably had the money. He had the, the clout. He had the power. But it must not have been enough. Some of the commentators speak on this passage and they say, it, he had to have been alone. He had have been, to have been struggling. He had to have been hurting because why else would you travel 2,000 miles? It's literally coast to coast of our country on foot to see what's up with this Jewish God. Whatever he had in Ethiopia wasn't enough. So here is this black African man going, I've got to go find out. I've given up everything for this, and it's not enough. Here's the kicker. When he got there, there's a good chance he wasn't allowed in the inner courts of the temple. Deuteronomy 21 says that eunuchs were not allowed in the inner courts of the temple. He's traveled all this way. He wants something of this faith And there's a decent, if not really good chance that he was turned away. And when we meet him in our story, he's on his way home and he's still searching for this God. Go over to Isaiah 53 with me. Because this is what he was reading. 
I want you to imagine how he must have felt. And he gets to Isaiah 53, and we'll, get, we'll start before the text that we saw in Isaiah, or in Acts 8, verse 1 of 53. He who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Who does this sound like? The man who's reading this text. Like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. Who is this guy, this, this, this Yahweh is talking about? If you jump over a couple of chapters, listen to what he clearly would have read as well in chapter 56, verse 3. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord said to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name and they will not be cut off. Picture this man sitting there reading this and going, who is this? Because I don't have a part anymore. I don't have a family. I don't have a place. <laughs> Do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, how can I? Someone please, someone please explain it to me. Who does this for you? Who does this for you? Where you're the one sitting here. This summer, Adrian asked me to, to play a role on an event for the student ministry. And he said, I'd like you to create 
a place where kids can share their real thoughts, their real hopes, or their real doubts, or their real fears. Just, just do what you do and see if they'll tell you their real thoughts about God and faith and life, and then see what happens. I said, yes. It's the very thing that I wanted and I still want. It's the reason I'm teaching the class in the back of can we talk about it. So for three nights at the Shelburne's house on the back porch, I asked that question. What do you really want to talk about? These are their questions. My friend who is an atheist, once said to me, I donate and I do community service and I love, love people. Why would your God want to perish me into hell for living my life the right way? Why does it feel like God isn't listening to me? Why is it so hard to forgive Sometimes I don't know if I like God or want to believe in him. If there is an omniscient creator, wouldn't they be able to create a world where free will wasn't a prerequisite of love? Some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. If God wants us in a relationship with us, then why is he always silent How can I believe in a God who took everything from me when I was eight years old? Why does the Bible have so many issues and contradictions? Why does do the perspectives on violence and women and homosexuality seem to contradict what we've been taught about love and justice? I struggle with believing. Sometimes I'm all for church and sometimes I think this stuff is crazy. How do I stay on the right path? Why is believing in God so hard sometimes? And they're reaching up. And the church for years has said, we don't talk about that. Because we don't have a black and white answer for that, so please... Just sit in your pew and be nice and be kind, and that's the end goal. The problem with that is that's not ever what Jesus did. (laughs) And I watched as for a moment they opened up and showed me and invited me to walk with them. We all need this. Who does it for you? This morning, I want to just give you three quick thoughts. What do we do with this? Number one, seek God. He walked 2,000 miles. And we're put out by the heater. We're put out because... You, you didn't like something or you didn't like how I said it or it offended your sensibility. He walked 2,000 miles because what did he want? He wanted to figure out who this God was. 
And I'm not okay with just the pat answers, so I'm going to walk all the way to Jerusalem, even if it means I get turned away. Sometimes we seek the fruit of God. You know, Galatians chapter 5, Paul says the fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I talk to people and I'm like, what do you want? And they want, I just want peace. That sounds spiritual. It's not. You, You want the fruit of living with God. Could, could you just give me peace? Seek Yahweh. I have a whole generation, that, two generations, maybe three, I'm not sure, who want God but will not read Scripture. <laughs> I don't know what to... Well, I, I just trust my feelings. Bad idea. <laughs> Bad idea. Seek God through Scripture and through other believers. Think about what Paul said himself. Follow me as what? As I follow Christ. Number two, ask for help. I sat on a pew year after year after year after year, and I had these questions, and I had two choices. One was to say, just fake it, and the other was to quit. But there was an option of asking for help. Number one, from God. This picture of God, would you please provide for me another human being, an incarnation of someone who knows and loves Jesus so that I can, so that I can ask these questions. But the other is, ask us. (laughs) Ask me. Don't sit in silence and go, you know, if it was just this way, then I would. That's on you. Ask. We think ask and it shall be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. It's about these big, huge God, would you give me one other human being that will help me walk this week? Because I don't know if I can do it. And number three, invite that help into your life. The eunuch said, could you get up in here? Could you get up in here and tell me what in the, who's he talking about? Because I have to know. You can't just go, thanks God, and then leave that person or leave that text that he's trying to speak to you through and leave it over there. You have to bring it in to your world. Yeah, but Kyle, that's uncomfortable. I just love this story because there's Philip standing outside this thing. He's like, he's reading this, and Philip goes... Hi. God is sending these people. The question is, will you invite them in? I want you to know, and I'm talking to the ladies right now. 
This is being offered to you right now. Did you know that? It's, it's called Heartfelt Friends. And you've seen and heard a couple of things about it, but this is exactly what they're offering you. It's not about your age. It's not about your spiritual maturity or lack thereof. It is a group of women who said, we need each other. And me as a young mom needs an older mom. And me as an older mom, we need each other. If you think this is just a minute, oh, here's one more thing to add to my calendar. You've missed what this is. As I understand, as I've listened to the hearts of the people that are putting this together, They're going, here you go. Nikki, Nikki Frazier told me somebody thought it was just for people that were hurting, just for women that were hurting. No, no, it's, it's for anybody. It's happening. We're offering it. You get to decide whether you'll get up in there with them or not. And if you don't, I understand, but don't complain about it. Give and take. That's the picture. Give and take. This morning we're talking about taking. I want to ask the elders to go ahead and head on out. I want to give you a couple questions, whether it's at lunch or whether they're at your house with your friends. A couple of questions just to think about today. Who do you allow to speak into your spiritual life? (laughs) Or is that off limits? Who do you allow to challenge you? Who's allowed to say, "Uh uh-uh, that's bull and you know it? Do you have that person? Are you asking for that person? Are you wanting that person? Number two, I would love for a group to share of a time when God used someone to walk through something with you. Share those stories because it's when you realize that you're not the only one walking this that you'll go, oh. And lastly, what is it you need right now? It's interesting to me, there are a lot of people in this room that are hurting, but they haven't told anybody. Because We don't do that. Yes, we do. Love first. Become like Christ and advance his mission. How do we do it? You do it. You start. You say yes. Hmm. There's this picture of an Ethiopian eunuch who was alone, who was hurting, who was 2,000 and something miles away from home and going, what do I do? And God sent somebody. Next week we're going to talk about, Adrian's going to talk about us being the ones that are being sent. But this morning I was wondering if there was somebody, one or two or ten that go, me. That's what these leaders are around here for. That's what your small group's for. If you need anything, come as we stand, as we sing.